Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. We are so glad that you have tuned in to be blessed by the Spirit and the Word of God. Hi, I'm Alan McMillan. I'm the senior pastor here at the Lighthouse, and I hope that you are blessed beyond measure with what you hear through the Word of God. Check us out at our website at lighthousekpt.com and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at LighthouseKPT. It would be our joy to get to know you better. Well, we're going to jump into our sermon series tonight. We're talking about relationships. And uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about your relationship uh, with others your relationship with others. And uh, what they used to say when you were in kindergarten and elementary school does not play well with others. Well, I hope that's not the case tonight. I hope you play well with others. Others is a very important thing in the kingdom of God. And I know some here tonight, maybe you might be an introvert. Maybe you would rather be totally out of the view and out of the loop. You don't want anybody to talk to you or speak to you. Maybe some of you are extra, extroverts. You just love fellowship and communication with people. You love, you get, uh, you get energized when you're in a crowd and you get to talk to people. And No matter the spectrum that you're on tonight, your relationship with others is very important. Matter of fact, we talk about the Ten Commandments. We've all heard of the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but in those Ten Commandments, many consider those the greatest civil law that was ever given, the Ten Commandments, that was written first by the finger of God. And this has to do with the relationship of others. Those commandments were written two times. The first time they were written, they were written, the Bible says, by God's finger that God pinned those, he carved them, pinned those, gave them to Moses. And then Moses started down the mountain and he saw the people behaving and acting in a manner of where they came from, of Egypt. He got angry, we know the story, he got angry at the people. How many knows relationship matters? He got angry at the people. He threw those tablets down, and the Bible says they were broken in pieces. He came down off the mount, said, Aaron, what is this? What's going on? Oh, the people. It was the people. They magically, Lord, they took off, or Moses, they took off their earrings and their rings, and magically they threw it into this fire, and here came a golden calf, and, and here they are. He ground that golden calf up and made them drink it, and uh, his anger kindled hot at God's people. And the Lord said, Moses, come back up to the mount. The Bible says this time Moses spent about 40 days with the Lord, but the Bible says something interesting, that the Lord told Moses, carve out the commandments. The first time God, with his finger, wrote them. Moses had no blisters on his hand. He had no sweat equity in it. God pinned them, pulled them from the rock, gave them to Moses. But this time, for 40 days, Moses had to chisel each one. Moses had to understand each one. And this time, Moses understood in his heart what God was giving to the people. He brought that law and he gave it. And those Ten Commandments... Only four of those commandments are toward God. I want you to think of this. Only four of those ten commandments are Godward. How we treat God, our relationship with God. But the overwhelming majority of the ten commandments, six of them, is how you treat the person sitting to each side of you. I'm letting that sink in real good. Well, bless God, I just told her what for. (laughs) 
Ain't nobody going to talk to me like that. Well, bless God, if I ran them out of the church by the way I talked to them, then praise the Lord, they wasn't part of it anyway. Whoa. Whoa. Six of the ten greatest commandments is how we treat each other. It's how we treat our brother and sister. Look at your neighbor and tell them relationship matters. 1 John chapter 2 verse 20. 1 John chapter 2 verse 20. The Bible says if someone says I love God but hates his Christian brother or sister. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we say that we love a God whom we cannot see? I'm talking tonight about relationships. Your relationship with others. The Lord said if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you'll love your brother and sister. If you say you love me, you'll love your brother and your sister. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. The Bible says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Now that's going to get my attention right there. If God hates six things, I'm going to put those on my bucket list of what not to do. All right? He says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Yea, there are seven. Seven is an abomination to God. Six is bad. God hates it. But the seventh is an abomination. God reserves strong language like abomination for something that goes against his nature. Something that goes against the creative nature of what God created. He calls it an abomination. The Bible says that when a man lays with a man as with a woman, it is a, an abomination. There's a little separate distinction. Now God hating something to me is severe enough. But the word of God calls the seventh sin an abomination. What is that seventh sin? Let's look at the six. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Man, those are pretty bad. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Those are terrible. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. All six of those are bad. But the seventh is an abomination. And him that soweth discord among the brethren. Check one, two, three, testing. Can, can y'all hear me tonight? Are we, are we good? A man or a woman that sows discord among the brethren, God hates it. Relationship matters. How we treat each other matters. It matters. Leading up, some of you may be history buffs and you could possibly give a much more detailed uh, sequence of events that led to the buildup of World War II and time would not allow for every little detail to be given, but leading up to World War II, Hitler had began a campaign to divide. You know, the Lord... In the New Testament, Jesus, they were, they were saying, oh, he, Jesus casts out devils by his master who is Beelzebub or, or Satan. He, he uh, you know, the kingdom of hell is, is casting out devils of the kingdom of hell is what they were saying. And Jesus gave a very powerful scripture. He said, a house that is divided will not stand. He gave us a wonderful example of the power of division. But the Bible also, in a very negative story, gives us the power of unity. How many of you have ever looked at the Tower of Babel and said, you know what, there's an awesome spiritual principle here of something wonderful and good. 
Most of us look at the Tower of Babel and say, oh, they rebelled against the Lord. God came down. He confused their language and their tongue. They couldn't understand. But the Bible gives us some wonderful spiritual insight. God said, I've got to go down and confuse their language because they're going to accomplish what they've set out to accomplish because they are unified. The power of unity is strong. But so is the power of division. And so Hitler began a, a campaign of division to divide. And this is the will of the kingdom of hell, ladies and gentlemen, is to divide the true church of Jesus Christ. Can I, can I uh, let me say something to you this evening. It is Satan's greatest desire for you to feel disconnected from the people of God and the house of God. It is Satan's greatest desire for you to feel like, what's the point? Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. That mentality. He loves it when we get that mentality. We had a lady, I, this, I know this is, it would never happen here in this area, but we had a family in Ohio that, that they, they just couldn't connect. And, and matter of fact, they began to get a, just a little negative about the situation and they, they just never could connect. And they, they, they said how they wanted to be involved in things and connected in things, but never took the opportunity to be involved. And uh, when push come to shove, it, it came down to a meeting and they just felt like they did not belong there anymore because they just didn't fit in. And they were never involved and there was nothing for them to do. And I said, so interesting that you say that because my wife has not seen, speaking to the lady, she hasn't seen you at any of the lady events. I said, matter of fact, now that I think about it, I haven't seen you at any of our men's events. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a level of involvement and responsibility that falls on us. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not being fed, you know. Mama, I'm just not being fed. You're not, you're not feeding me. Well, son, pull up to the table and eat. When it's dinner time, eat. God's greatest opportunity for you and I to be fulfilled is in relationships with others. Matter of fact, the Lord saw Adam. Adam named the animals. Adam was the apple of God's eye. Adam was his prime uh, objective and, and let me say this and, and there's no theology here I'm, I can't go any deeper let me just scratch the surface God planned on having such a relationship with Adam that everything was self-contained in that relationship because the Bible declares that the Lord pulled woman out of man when he took that rib out of man woman the term woman means womb Adam had the capability in and of himself of both, and, but God pulled out the woman. God pulled out the womb. And let me say this flat-footed without any apologies, uh, looking you square in the eye tonight, going out over social media. When God pulled woman out of man, he pulled every bit of woman out of man. Well, praise God. I love y'all. Don't y'all love me? <laughs> Glory to God. Let me go a little step further. And when God separated man from woman, he took every bit of man out of woman. That's why the Bible relates an effeminate spirit equal to sin. Mm. But God looked at this situation. He looked at Adam naming the animals, and God made a deep sleep fall upon Adam, and he created woman, and he presented Eve to Adam, and the Bible says he called her name Eve, the mother of all living. But God did this. God made a statement that is so spiritually profound today that if we casually look at it, we'll miss the power of it. The Bible says, God speaking, 
it is not good for man to be alone. That is more than your marriage relationship. When you're in prison and they can't control you, they put you somewhere that's called solitary confinement. Because I don't care how much of an introvert you are, you are designed and created to have connection and relationship to others. And in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of trying to go away and get out as soon as they say amen, oh, wait a minute, the preacher, okay, I got Pastor Allen, I got him just about pegged. Okay, when he does this or when he does this little gyration or when they go up there, he's about to close. So when people stand, I'm going to gather my stuff and I'm going to get out and I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to get a good seat at the restaurant. God said it's not good for man to be alone. He's given us a body of fellowship. He's given us a body to communicate, to fellowship one with another. No man is an island. Amen. God has created us for fellowship. Matter of fact, Hitler divided. That's what helped him conquer. The way he conquered is he divided and isolated these smaller nations. And before you know it, no one tried to stop him until he invaded France. And by that time he had conquered a handful of smaller nations and built that war machine all through division. The early church was united. Someone say united. The early church was united around the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some fundamental things that unite you and I. There are some fundamental things that bring us together in one accord in fellowship that no matter what's happening, no matter if you're having a good day, no matter if you're having a bad day, there are some common threads that bind us together in unity, cords of love that if you walk in with a frown on your face when you are fitly joined together in the body of Christ with brothers and sisters of like precious faith, you ought to leave out of here better than you came. You ought to leave out of here better than you came. And I've learned it. I've got a little wisdom. I need to gain more. But there's people that are desirous of you to ask them how they're doing. Because they want to tell you how terrible their life is. And they frown and they scowl and they're just waiting for you to notice how terrible life is. Most of the time I'll say, hey, love you. Good to see you. I'll never say how you doing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Amen. Some people have a chip on their shoulder for attention. How foolish. Some people have hiccups and hindrances and they have little issues that they can't get victory over. It's become their crutch for so long that if they gave their life fully to the Lord and let that crutch go, they would not know how to function in the power and the liberty of freedom. The United States government has tried very uh, vigorously to re-assimilate uh, those that have come out of prison because when they spend a tenure, a good period of time in prison, they have a difficulty assimilating. Church of the living God, saints of God, this is Wednesday evening, this is the cream of the crop. But I need you to help me as your pastor. Our ministry team, we need your help. We are calling people out of the world. We are pulling them out of the clutches of hell, out of abuse. We are asking them to let their alcoholic friends go. We're asking them to let their drug addicts go. We're asking them to let their abusive relationships go. We're asking them to let go of those that keep them bound and negative. But God forbid... Thank you for that applause. And I hope you can applause me just as vigorously on what I'm about to say. 
We ask them to give that up, to give up that life, to give up that negativity. But we will not inconvenience ourselves to invite them to McDonald's after a Wednesday night Bible study. We ask them to come out, but we won't attach ourselves to it. God help the church. Your relationship with others matter. Oh God, I, I, I just got to preach it like I feel it tonight, how my family has operated in it and how we'll continue to operate in it. If you expect me to connect with every first time guest, take them to Chop House, take them to Rush Street, I'm gonna be one bankrupt preacher. But if you'll help me, when you see somebody new walk through those doors, understand it is not good for man to be alone. Take a little time out of your busy schedule of sitting on the pew and doing nothing and go introduce yourself. All right, we good. We're good. We're good. Praise God. The early church was united around the supremacy of Jesus Christ. The message was united. Number one, Jesus is Lord. Number two, repent from your sins. Number three, be water baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ. Number four, be filled with the Spirit of God, evidence of speaking in tongues. And number five, contrary to popular belief, at least once a year, at least once a year, at Passover time, they observed the Lord's Supper together. A time of fellowship. The early church is not perfect because by chapter 6 we find a division in the church. Revival creates challenges. How many knows that? Revival creates challenges. And we would be very naive leaders and very naive saints of God to think that if we do the same old things the way we've done them the same old ways that somehow majestically and magically, God will fill this church to the rafters if we do nothing different. Ladies and gentlemen, the early church recognized there's a need. And the early church moved quickly on providing an answer for the need. Let me show you. Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible says the Greek widows were being left out because of language barriers. Most problems in the church today are still because of lack of communication. The Bible declares that the Greeks and the Jews were uh, upset at each other because they came to the apostles and they said, we feel like uh, that you Jews are discriminating against us Greeks. The Hellenistic Greeks, those that had mixed marriages and they had different language and it was hard to communicate and, and they, the widows, the Grecians were not being taken care of and, and they wanted the apostles to fix it. And the apostles said, tell you what we'll do. It's not good that we take ourselves away from prayer and the Word of God. But let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to look out for seven men full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Man, they must be doing something great. Seven men full of the Holy Ghost. They must be about ready to go on some missionary journey that's going to turn the world upside down and and uh, man, they must, they're going to be laying hands on the sick. They must, boy, they're going to be casting out devils. These seven men had to be full of the Holy Ghost. You want to know what their ministry assignment was? Waiting tables. <laughs> Serving people food in a church line. And if you've never done that, listen to me. You need the Holy Ghost to do that. <laughs> Could I have a little more of that? No! <laughs> The apostle said, give us seven men full of the Holy Ghost. You want to know why? Because if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you are a uniter and not a divider. 
If you are full of the Holy Ghost, you see a problem as an opportunity to unite and become better and to better the work of God and to better the kingdom of God. You do not look at a problem as an opportunity to divide one group against another group. What I love about the kingdom of God is all this negative media that's going on in the world today, this race baiting, this one race against this race and that, and it's being ginned up by the fake news media that this group hates this group. You know what I love about the kingdom of God is that red, yellow, black, and white. Yes, we're precious in His sight, but when you are full of the Holy Ghost, there's no such thing as male or female, bond or free, Jew or Greek. We are all one in Christ Jesus, and it matters how you treat each other. It matters. It matters. Hitler's conquest was justified when he would invade these smaller countries, these outlying territories around Germany. He would say, well, they used to belong to us and we're just retaking a, 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 a land that was taken from us. And he, was on a, he was on a challenge to conquer as much land as he could conquer and he was unchallenged until he invaded France. And at that point, it was too late. Hitler's division, he read, he read the art of, of war. And he understood that if you could divide, you can conquer. And he divided those nations in that western hemisphere. And through Hitler's division, he almost took over the entire western world. He almost defeated the western world through disassimilating or disunity. But how many knows how Hitler was defeated? Woo! Discord only went so far. But when the allied forces, oh hallelujah. When the allied forces came together in unity, unity defeated discord. Do you hear me tonight? I said unity defeats discord. Woo! Oh hallelujah. This is my prayer. I've been praying it every day. I pray for unity. I pray for unity in this area. Those that's watching by World Wide Web, if you believe this great gospel, I'm praying for such a revival in this Tri-Cities area that we have to cast out nets. Oh, now pastor... You shouldn't worry about them or this group over here or this church over there. Don't you know what they said about this, that? All I know is the Lord gave a principle to Peter and those men that there is a harvest of fish that is a coming that your little net and your little boat cannot handle it. But it is such a harvest that it'll fill your boat, it'll fill your net, and it'll fill the nets of the fleet. That. Oh, hallelujah. You need to get that bitterness out of your heart. You need to get that bitterness out of your spirit. It's a revival that will destroy nets. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. Glory to God. The adversary understood. Read Acts 15. By Acts 15, the early church was in turmoil. The, the, the Jews, the devout priests that were coming in were saying these old Gentiles, they need to be circumcised. These old Gentiles, they got to keep Mosaic dietary law. These old Gentiles got to dress like we dress, look like we look. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, the bishop of the Jerusalem church, said give me a break that's my translation <laughs> 
He said, give me a break, boys. You're asking them to do things that your father Moses couldn't do, that your great granddaddy couldn't do. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I don't care if it's down to here or up to here. If you have repented, if you have been baptized in that name that is above every name and you've been filled with the Spirit of God, you're on my team. We're on the same Anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that? I've learned. I love this church. I was raised in this church. It was such a cutting edge church. It was always on the edge. But when I went to Bible college 20 plus years ago, I understood that there are different cultures and different territories. Missionary trips. I love taking missionary trips because it shows you that the apostolic Pentecostal movement is not just an American movement. What I learned... Red, yellow, black, or white. Long, short, or mid-drift, or indifferent. God is no respecter of persons. The wind blows where it wants to blow. And I can stick my head in the sand and say they're not doing anything for God. But if they're baptizing them in his name, if they're being filled with the Holy Ghost, if they're preaching there's one God and his name is Jesus, you're my brother. You're my sister. Let's win the lost. Woo. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo. Hallelujah. I could say a lot about that, but I'm not. Psalm 133, one of my most favorite Old Testament scriptures. David writes a prophetic psalm. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of the garment as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded blessings, even life forevermore. Honey, you want to get the most spirit you've ever felt? You want to be in the will of God like you've never been before? You want to be smack dab in God's plan and purpose for your life? Get under this unity. Get under the anointing of this church. Yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. You may think you're something. You may think you're awesome. You may think you're all that and a bag of chips. But I got news for you. If you'll bind yourself with another brother, and if you'll bind yourself with another sister, we are stronger and greater together. It's the adversary that wants to isolate you. It's the adversary that wants to divide you. It's the kingdom of hell that wants to keep you at odds. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It matters how you treat each other, y'all. Hallelujah. Oh, we need two things as believers. Two. Somebody say two. We need a sense that we belong to something that is bigger than ourselves. You know why there's so much excitement that's been here for 67 years? Because you belong to something that is greater than yourself. There are several hundred Throughout this building, several hundred believers in our youth ministries, our adult class, our student ministry, our youth ministry. And you know what makes it so wonderful? Is that we have come together in unity to lift up the name of Jesus. But we all believe that we are part of something greater than ourselves. Mama, your children need to know that there's something greater than PlayStation. That, give the Lord, that's all right. 
the kids are not in here. And I know nowadays parents are afraid of kids. Oh God, they might get mad at me. <sighs> Cry me a river. Build me a bridge. And get over it. <laughs> if your kids never get mad at you, I challenge that you're doing a good job as a parent. Woo. My sweet little Lizzie, who's an angel. She's not in here, is she? She's an angel. She said such an ugly thing to me yesterday, the other day. She was mad at me. You know, she's not a morning person. Do we, have, do we have anybody that's not a morning person in here? Okay, so let me tell you this. I am a morning person. <laughs> Y'all hate me, don't you, in the morning? Well, I was, I was saying things, pushing things, whatever, and, and she just didn't like it, and bless God, it didn't, it didn't go well with her. And I didn't go shrink away somewhere and say, okay, honey, you're right, just don't be mad at me. I stood my ground. I said, no, it ain't going to work like that. Sorry. Well, she didn't talk to me all the way somewhere. Man, it's probably about 30 minutes or an hour. She didn't talk to me, and I didn't call my psychiatrist, up, up my dose of pills my kid's not talking to. But you know what? A little after an hour, she said, hey, Dad. I said, yeah. She said, I'm sorry. I said, I love you, honey. You know what happened? She got some Dunkin' Donuts in her. <laughs> Glory to God. The Spirit of God and Dunkin' Donuts came upon her. <laughs> Amen. But you need to know that, that there's something bigger than PlayStation. Dad, odds, the odds are really against your son being the next Peyton Manning. And he needs to know there's something greater than the idol worship of that league. I told Jackson this a long time ago. Son, you can play, you can do, you can do whatever. But daddy would never be the most proud of you than when I see you with your hands raised, loving Jesus, speaking in tongues, glorifying God. If, if, if God calls him to the ministry, so be it. But if he's a fry cooker at McDonald's, I want him to be a Holy Ghost filled fry cooker. I want him to show Jesus at McDonald's. Hey, the, you know, he, uh, he scored a couple baskets the other night in, uh, in basketball. Yeah, I was proud, but I told him, I said, son, I'm never more proud of you than when you're playing that guitar under the anointing of Jesus uh, and you're leading people in worship. Come on, folks, we need to get our priorities straight. Uh, there's something bigger than your family. There's something bigger than your sports league. It's called the kingdom of God. And we are to populate heaven and depopulate hell. That is our mission. Others matter. Amen. Say, that's good meddling, preacher. <laughs> it may be meddling, but I felt the Holy Ghost on it. We need two things as a believer. You need to know that you belong to something bigger than yourself. And number two, you need a sense that you're making an impact on others that are in close relationship with you. You know the most fulfilled you'll ever be is knowing that you're helping someone else. You're making an impact on someone else's life. There's something coming soon. We, we haven't put a time frame on it, but it is something that's coming soon. It's a concept that's called small groups. It's where people with various interests I believe anybody in here, now, now you're not, they've got the camera up here, they can't see your hand, but anybody in here enjoy guns or firearms? Raise your hand if you like it. If the government's watching, nobody raise their hand. <laughs> anybody in here like being a sportsman? Maybe you like fishing or hunting or getting out in the woods. Anybody in here like, uh, maybe you like, what? I said so. Shopping. I felt ice water come on me. I was under the anointing for a moment. You know what? 
we've just identified three or four small groups where you get together and you don't try to start a seven-day revival. You don't have to be in three hours of prayer. But you can come together. You can share a scripture. You can pray for five minutes with each other. And then you, you ready for this Pentecostals? I know this is hard to imagine. You can have fun. Fun. You know, I think I'm so overweight because that's all I thought we could do as apostolics, go out and eat after church. I didn't know we could. Oh, this is out loud. I'm sorry. This is going. Go back and erase that if you can. <laughs> you can have fun. You can smile. Brother Ricky took me out and bought my lunch the other day. You know what? I smile in ear to ear. <laughs> Ooh, thank you, Jesus. That don't happen much. Thank you, God. I'm going to say something very serious, and this goes against all of your spiritual teaching. Real life happens. Not in rows, two hours a week. But real life happens in circles and in groups and in small groups. Oh, God, we can't have small groups. Somebody's advice. We've already got small groups. I've just identified them. But as a church family, here's what happens. Anybody, <clears throat> this happened a lot in Ohio. I don't know why. We'd invite people. They'd say, where do you go to church? We'd tell them, oh, Pentecostal. Do y'all handle snakes? <laughs> what? <laughs> Has that ever happened to y'all? Yeah. Somebody asked, y'all handle snakes over there? Lord, no. <laughs> but you know what? Brother D.W., somebody will come to your backyard cookout. They may never step foot here first, but they'll come to your backyard cookout. And they'll look at Brother Ricky Price and Brother Kurt Flannery and Brother, Brother Cody. They'll look at Brother Jeremy. They'll look at myself. they say, you know what? These guys are they're just like me. We're, just, we're living life together. They're pretty normal. And you know what? You'll build a relationship with that person. And that relationship will show them a more excellent way. And they'll want to be part of that. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something. A new person that comes into this church, we ought to surround them with five to seven new people. Because inevitably... The person that brought them in, they're going to have a falling out with them. <laughs> and if they've never connected with anybody else, others really do matter, y'all. And it's our responsibility to connect with others. Look what the Bible says. The reason why small groups, what time is it? Lord, I thought I'd be done early tonight. Well, we'll get out of here on time. We'll get out of here. Reasons why, y'all okay, we good? Everybody good? Reasons why small group relationships are important. Look at John chapter 13. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. The New Living Translation. <clears throat> so now I am giving you a new commandment. Look at your neighbor and say, that's number 11. Or that's number 614. <laughs> I'm giving you a new commandment. Who's this speaking? This is Jesus. What is this new commandment? Look at each other like you've been sucking lemons. Oh, no, it says love each other. Huh. Love each other. Just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. I love that he didn't say your bad, critical, negative, stinking attitude. Whew, that's pretty hard. <laughs> we'll show the world that you're mine. He said your love. Your love. But they don't look like me. Your 
But they don't talk like I talk. Your love. You reckon, huh. Well, they don't line up to my standards. I, their kids probably aren't going to college or I bet they don't invest in a 401k or I bet this. They don't line up to my standards. I'm not fellowshipping. When have you ever lined up to God's? Well, they're not holy enough for me. When was you ever holy enough for God? He fellowships us daily. Thank you, Lord. I don't deserve it, but I just want to say thank you, Jesus. I'm not good enough for you, but thank you for your love. I don't deserve your mercy and grace, but I want to take a moment and I just want to say thank you for loving me when I couldn't even love myself. Thank you for loving me when my attitude was stinking. Thank you for loving me when I was in the pit of sin. Thank you for loving me. Come on, church of the living God. Love your brother. Love your sister. I show you a new commandment. Love one another. Look at your neighbor and tell him I love you. And if it's your spouse that don't count, look at somebody else and tell them I love you. Listen, in the church, you can have a relationship even like my wife and I have sometimes. She says, I love you, but I don't like you. <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? We used to sing a song, Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. I love you with the love of the Lord. Cause I see in you the glory of the King. And I, y'all don't know that song? Brother Cody, I wish you'd help me. I, you, don't know. you know, I love you. You know it. You know why I love you? It's not because you scratch my back or pat me on the back. I love you because when I look at you, I see the image that you're made in. I love you because how can I say I love God whom I've not seen and I can't even love you who I look at every day. I love you. Your relationship with others really does matter. Thank you, Jesus. Let me show you some examples of small groups. You know, small groups is biblical. You know, Lord, help me turn back time. Good Lord. Are y'all all right? Can I have five minutes? Help me here. You know, there's a lot of things we do in church that's not biblical. <laughs> we have a lot of, we have sacred cows that we go down with the ship and it's not even in the book. And there's some things in the book that we don't do. That if we'd do it, we'd have Book of Acts revival like they had it. And, and, and there's councils, even among our own believers, denominations, organizations, they have councils, yearly councils, they're meeting. How can we have this? How can we have that? And if, 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 if you don't have the same letters after your name, they won't even look at you at Walmart. And they're wondering, how can we have apostolic revival? How can we have Book of Acts revival? And, and, if, and if we're part of this same body and you run down aisle 10, when you see me coming up aisle 6, uh, that's why you're not having revival, sweetheart. It matters how you treat others. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, they worshiped together. Media, don't get mad at me, but they didn't stay at home on their lazy boy. They didn't go to the first church of the frigid air or the first church of lazy boy. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each and every day, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. 
If we want apostolic revival, if we want book of Acts revival, let's start acting like the book of Acts. Let's fellowship. Let's break bread together. Let's be in one accord. Let's love each other. Give the Lord praise. Glory to God. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. And every day, somebody say every day. Every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach the message of Jesus is the Messiah. What a simple message we have that has such a huge impact on humanity. You don't have to be a Bible thumper at work. But when's the last time someone told you something that was going on in their life and you felt prompted by the Holy Ghost to say, can I pray with you? And out of fear, you just, I'm sorry. I hope it gets better for you. That's a book of Acts moment. God was giving you a moment to be like the Apostle Paul to be like the Apostle Peter, to lay hands upon. Brother Flannery, that precious couple you prayed for the other night in my house, they, they loved, they were so impressed with that. We was, uh, some of the guests from Ohio sitting on the couch, I'm going to tell on you, brother, I hope it don't embarrass you. We were sitting on the couch, we were fellowship and having a good time, and we were about to leave, and, and, and Brother Flannery said, I feel like I should pray with you. And what you don't know, my brother, is they needed prayer. A lot of things were happening in their life, sicknesses, diagnoses, bad things. You didn't know that, but the Holy Ghost knew it, and it prompted you. And we had a book of Acts moment over on Rivermont across from uh, Walmart uh, at 2424. The Holy Ghost came in that place. Uh, We didn't have to have a special revival. We didn't have to have somebody come in with new suits and guitars. Uh, We had a man that was led by the Holy Ghost. Honey, you've been given the Holy Ghost uh, for more than goosebumps. Uh, You've been given the Holy Ghost uh, for more than spiritual gifts. Uh, You've been given the Holy Ghost uh, to make an impact uh, on others. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If this is your idea of the early church model of doing nothing, that's why we have no revival. Acts 20 and 20, Paul speaking to a group. He said, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your home. Ladies and gentlemen, we need fellowship, we need gospel sharing, and we need encouragement of each other. Let me finish with this. Let's look at some small group examples that this church could start immediately. Small groups are for the purpose of strengthening the body and saving new souls. Number one, we can have Bible study groups. You know why I need a Bible study group? Because I need people to help balance the Word of God in my life. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And let let me say, as a preacher, let me say, I'm going to speak about me, okay? I'm not going to speak about you. You need fellowship. But as a preacher, I got to rub shoulders with other preachers. I said, as a preacher, I got to rub shoulders with other preachers. Because iron sharpens iron. The Bible says that no scripture is a private interpretation. And the reason there's cults, the reason there's false doctrines, the reason that there's churches that's went out in left field and they drink Kool-Aid and they kill themselves is because some man got by himself and refused fellowship. I need fellowship. I need your fellowship. I need the fellowship of other brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Because I can get some screwball ideas. Just ask my wife. I can get some crazy ideas. But when I'm fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters of like precious faith, it knocks those stupid ideas off. It, it, keeps, it keeps me sharp. 
Does that mean we're going to agree on every little ism and schism? Of course not. But it'll keep me grounded in the truth of God's word. Look at somebody beside you and tell them, say, I need you. No man is an island. No man. We need fellowship. I need people who know the real me. Oh, I know that scares some of you. But true growth only happens through closeness and sharing. Not in gossip sessions. Some of the small groups that we had in Ohio, you had to sign confidentiality forms to be a part of it. Because we dealt with addiction. We dealt with heavy stuff. And people that look like they got it all together, got their hair parted just right, their, their sleeves are just so perfect, every, hair, everything's right, they are an absolute wreck because they're holding so much inside. And you come two hours on Sunday, that ain't going to fix it, baby. It'll help. We need each other. We need groups of prayer. Prayer groups. I need, to, I need folks that will pray with me and for me. I need support groups. I need people who will protect me. Look out for my best interest. And tell me the truth in love. Even if it temporarily hurts my feelings. That. The Bible says the wounds of a friend are faithful. They're faithful. Because even though you're wounded, it'll help your healing. And when someone speaks the truth to you in a group, receive it in love and healing can take place. Why, what, other, what other small groups do we need? We need outreach. Would you stand with me please? We need outreach. In these small groups, new people come. You know how hard it is to witness? It's this hard. Tell somebody your testimony. Just tell them what God did for you. There's so many people willing to hear that. And they want to hear that. Tell them what Jesus did for you. These are the purposes of small groups. Number one, Bible study. Number two, fellowship. Number three, prayer. Number four, support. Number five, outreach. The term one another is found 59 times in the 27 books of the New Testament. You think fellowship's not important, you're, you're sadly mistaken. The early church came together and they were one with another. <clears throat> Starting after Easter, I'd like for you to be thinking about our first steps class that we're going to be starting. We'll be talking a little more about that. It's four simple weeks, but it's going to help you discover a greater purpose a greater purpose, what God has designed you for. And actually, it's going to lead you into ministry. Because every one of you under the sound of my voice, God has a ministry for you. It may not be there. Listen to, listen to you, Pastor. This is a very important part of the ministry. But it's about 10% of the overall scope of ministry. It's a very important part of ministry. God has called me to fulfill that. Not everybody can fulfill this. And I don't say that arrogantly or bragged. I used to tell our ministers in Ohio, this is the pulpit God has set me in. And, and every now and then you will minister in this pulpit, but if you're desirous of a pulpit, find a coffee table somewhere. Find a dining room table somewhere and minister, teach a Bible study, win somebody to the Lord. Because my job, and I hope this don't offend you, I'm not, a, I'm not a mechanic, I can't fix your brakes on your car, I'm sorry. I don't have a lot of money, so I can't bail you out on your power bill, I apologize. I'm not a carpenter, so I can't come build a deck for you, I'm sorry. But God has equipped me to be able to feed and lead and equip the people of God. And that calling has been given to me. That's why I have no fear. I, well, aren't you afraid if 
You have somebody that comes in and they might have a little more energy than you or they got they maybe got a better delivery than you or they've got maybe they can preach better than you. There's a lot of people who can preach better than me. But not here. Because God has called me and equipped me and put the mantle on me to feed, lead, and equip this congregation. And I'm very confident in that. There's no fear in that. Because I know what God's called me to do. You got a call of God on your life? Teach the gospel to somebody. Win a soul to the Lord. Be a friend to sinners. I want you to think about first steps. It's coming. Romans 14 verse 19, New Living Translation. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Our goal is harmony in this body and to build each other up. Romans 15 and 5. May God who gives you patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ. Do not be a spiritual hermit, ladies and gentlemen. In closing, there is a story I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. But I'm going to tell you the story. There was a guy that was found on a deserted island. And when they went to that deserted island, they found that he had built a, he had built a village at that deserted island. They found him. He had been there for years, shipwrecked. He had built a bank. He had built a grocery store. He had built a, a, a shopping center. He had, built, he had built anything you would find in a village, he built it. And what struck them so amazingly funny is that he built a church. But not just one church, right beside it he built another church. And they said, we understand what you've done here, the psychology of it. We get it. You've, you've, you wanted to go on with your life as usual and you wanted to have your routines. But why two churches? He said, oh, that's easy. He said, because when that pastor offends me, I'll just go to that church. <laughs> Don't laugh. It wasn't that funny. <laughs> hey, folks, in a family, there's disagreements. In a great family, we're not always going to see eye to eye. But we're not going to cut bait and run. Bless God, I was born into this thing. I'm part of the body of Christ. You ain't going to run me off. I need you, and you need me. And it matters how you treat others. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that today's message has blessed you. For more information about Lighthouse Church, check out our website at lighthousekpt.com. You can also check us out on all social media platforms at Lighthouse KPT. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the most recent content from Lighthouse Church. Thank you all. Have a great day and God bless.